welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today we are discussing Season 4, Episode 18 of Supergirl, Crime and Punishment. And can you tell us what happened, David? Kelly helps James with his PTSD, but while working through it, his super senses and strength manifest. Brainy considers deleting the alien registry. He braves a conversation with Nia to solve his indecision with a bootstrap paradox. Nia rejects his hypocrisy, so Brainy Johnny mnemonics the database and deletes it from the DEO. Lena and Supergirl go to jail to search Lex's cell. They start a riot, get the prison attacked, and get the warden killed. They find stuff, but it all gets blown up with Otis. Even Supergirl thinks it's a failure. But Kara connects with a whistleblower who copied Lex's data. Mr. Lockwood goes to the DEO. Even Haley dislikes the power-hungry snake. But after delays, and even after Alex fails to manipulate her, Haley protects Supergirl. Unfortunately, the deputized Children of Liberty have all the DEO's guns. Yep. So, the episode seemed a lot more fragmented <laughs> than the way you put it. They were jumping around all over the place. Um, a couple of things struck, you know, uh, really stood out to me, though. Um, one was some stuff about Otis, and the other was the stuff about the whistleblower. So, what would you like to tackle first? Well, those are definitely the two main sort of A-B plots. And then on the side, we had these entirely separate actions about James and Brainy. Of one of the ones I liked the most, how about let's talk about Kelly and James first? Okay, right. So as you and I had suspected, uh, it's not just PTSD. James is also developing powers. I'm shook. <laughs> The psychiatrist helpfully gave James some calming exercises, uh, but, uh, you know, the first thing she told him to do after the breathing exercise was think of a safe place. And so he thought of Catco, and then he thought of getting shot in Catco. So that was actually less than helpful. But um, uh, it's true, she ha he has to work through it somehow. But the stimulation treatment she suggested is real and could maybe help a bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Just don't think of a different safe place, James. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that they're treating it, treating PTSD seriously, that they're not making it just about superpowers breaking through that, you know, he really does have a problem and why wouldn't he with, you know, not just the latest trauma of being shot, but he's been in many, many danger situations through the years. It's not like they had, he has PTSD. No, he has superpowers. They didn't do that. They played it a lot smarter than that. Because, right, I appreciate that. Yeah, because he does have PTSD and he has powers, which actually only makes it worse. He's not sure if he's very happy about that either. Mm-hmm. We do see him having super hearing, supervision, and a bit of super strength. Hopefully he doesn't just punch people. <laughs> but the only thing that's a little lantern-y here is now they decide to talk to Lena about it. And really, some conversation with Lena should have happened earlier, but oh well. I mean, I would have thought that she would have been concerned at the possibility, knowing what she had injected him with. You so... think maybe a checkup, just a check-in to say, hey, have you died? Hey, do you have superpowers like everyone else who has had that thing injected into them? 
good questions to ask. And for some reason, they really didn't want to have it to happen that way. They wanted it to come out this way. That's okay. However, one thing that I didn't like about the Kelly and James plotline was Alex going to Kelly. Hey, you're you're a psychiatrist. Can you help me manipulate my commanding officer? <laughs> uh, that was not gracefully done. <laughs> I was thinking about this scene on my second viewing, and I still have the question of, are we supposed to ship these two? And if we are, that's why this scene is here. Because the scene isn't actually necessary in the episode. Had this scene not happened in the episode, Alex would have said the same things, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have made a difference. So really, this is here to give them a scene together, and I'm going to maintain my shipping hope, and we'll see if that happens. <laughs> But I agree. Okay. It was a bit of a silly scene inside of the episode. Yeah, there were other things I did like. <laughs> yeah, I liked almost all of the other scenes with James. And this is, again, this is now a good James episode, even if he said that he's Guardian, which maybe mean he wants to punch again. But overall, it, it was a good James episode, and a lot of the scenes were really well, even his one tier. <laughs> yeah. On to another smallish plot, uh, Nia and Brainy. Uh, by the way, they had Brainy be a bit of a buffoon earlier in the episode when Alex talked to him about re erasing the the alien registry, and but to keep it on the download, and he bellows, I am the most confidential person around, or something like that. It was... Yelling clandestine. <laughs> yeah, he's he's... He's not stupid, and he has, you know, studied human interactions, so I just don't understand why they keep playing him as such a... Goof. Goof. This yeah. is a cheap joke. I mean, it's a cheap joke, and they're repeating the cheap joke. They could have gotten away with it once, and they're deciding it's funnier on repetition. And it never was actually funny, and on repetition, it's just annoying. So yes. So at least we're getting less of it. And maybe this will be the last one can hope, but it is unfortunate that the writers or the writers are being told to throw in jokes like this because it did not work at all. Mm -hmm. What's funny, though, is the rest of this plot with Brainy does have some stuff that's funny. Right. I quite liked his Mission Impossibleness <laughs> as he tries to break into the DEO from the inside. I liked that stuff. That was well done and, I thought, funny in the right way. Once again, we see very poor uh, security protocols, but that shouldn't be particularly surprising. The fact that they have security protocols and he had something he had to defeat was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. That's the most security we've seen in the DEO the entire show. Easily. <laughs> well, I could list all sorts of reasons why it's bad. They, they had bad security um, the bar is very low. Just run with it. Uh, I guess so. But bad security is almost worse than no security in some ways. <laughs> because you rely on the bad security when you shouldn't. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> moving on. We have a lot to discuss. Uh <laughs> I love the idea of the setup. I like the idea of Brainy seeing sort of a no-win scenario and a 50-50 odds and not knowing what to do. And I love that he goes to Nia to try and solve it with the bootstrap paradox. That is beautiful. I don't know if I believe that the problem was that insurmountable, and he actually does surmount it later in the episode. But I think it was worth it for the bootstrap paradox conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
I, I've read some articles about, you know, that's that's one thing with artificial intelligence is that uh, sometimes emotions actually do help in making decisions. Otherwise, you're standing in the breakfast aisle staring at, you know, 40 kinds of cereal paralyzed by it. Uh, whereas uh, sometimes making a decision faster is better than waiting and waiting to try and make the perfect decision. Of the failings for Brainy, having him not sure which way to go with his decision, I liked and I thought that worked much better than where they've used his AI-ness as a weakness. Right. Well, this one is actually an interesting uh, dilemma for him to be in and credible and uh, much more engaging than the stupid jokes. So I was glad, you know... I was glad to see that. I hope that they see it as a success and lean more in that direction than in the uh, social idiot. <laughs> and really, though, Brainy and Nia have easily the funniest scenes in this episode. Because I just adored and laughed out loud at the scene where Brainy goes up describing how stressful this is because of the incredible yet devastating romantic encounter. And Nia, while chewing, can barely contain herself just to get out. Yeah, I've barely been able to eat. As she continues eating her donut. <laughs> yes, I I enjoyed that part of it a lot. Um, it was it, it was uh, cute and funny, and that's all I needed from that scene. <laughs> Nia has an emotional quotient so far above Brainy. Right. It almost feels like maybe this relationship is not fair. <laughs> They're just not at the same level. But perhaps that means it's a good pairing. But that was such a funny line. <laughs> it almost matches also the later line, which is the core of the bootstrap paradox, which Brainy says, tell me what to do. If you tell me that, then you tell me what I did so that I could do it. And she very rightly points out, hey, haven't you been telling me about not interfering with the timeline and messing up the fabric of the universe? Absolutely correctly calls his hypocrisy. I yes. don't know if being able to tell the future is different than coming from the future. There's a gray area of time travel mores that I just don't understand. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, it all depends on, you know, is there really just one immutable timeline or are there branching possibilities ahead of us in time? Um, and different stories about precognition and time travel treat it differently. So you kind of have to know what version you're in. Uh, I believe in this show, um, they're treating it as one timeline that occasionally gets diverted and changed uh, to go in a different direction, but it's still all one timeline. I think I would refer to this as the half-assed model of time travel. <laughs> Whatever they need, it will do. And I would advise them, don't worry about it too much. <laughs> However, we do see him put all of the database into his brain, and that is going to come back. So we'll see how. Oh, it's absolutely going to come back. The question is whether DEO slash um, Children of Liberty will kidnap him and try to force it out of him, or whether Lex will kidnap him and try to forcibly download his brain or something. On the other hand, though, Nia was impressed. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a fun, fun thing. Are there any other little things you want to talk about? Or do you want to go on to 
the big thing with Lena and Supergirl and the prison. Yeah, let's talk about going to jail. Right. So Lena and Supergirl decide that their best way of trying to track down Lex is to go to his jail cell and see if they can find any clues there. Um, so they, they of course see the, um, carving or whatever it was drawing of, uh, Hannibal crossing the Alps, uh, which Lena sneers at, but comes back to later. There's the chessboard, which, uh, Lena unscrews one of the chess pieces and finds a picture of the science volunteer that she killed, um, and brushes it aside and says to Supergirl, oh, it's nothing, and this date on the back is about the Romanovs uh, being being killed in 1918. Secrets, which... secrets, secrets. <laughs> Indeed. Um, which may well be true, but uh, uh, also may refer to the guy who, the volunteer who died. Um, that seems I, more likely, I haven't come back thought, to look back. But, uh, yeah, there's something strange there. I think it has to be perhaps both in some fashion. Yeah, I mean, Lex being a super genius does tend to go for Xanatos plans that would uh, bring victory conditions if, you know, several things happen, not just if one path gets taken. So, okay, trying trying to figure out where to go on this. So much happened in just this little plot line. Well, um, the first thing they do when they enter the jail, of course, is they blackmail the jail warden. Oh, I skipped over that part. Right. <laughs> well, yes. that's okay. So do they at the end of the episode. Uh, that's true. They never really deal with the fact that he got killed. Um, you know, I'm sure that will be one more crime chalked up to Supergirl. But yeah, they, they tell... They... Threatened the warden first subtly and then not subtly at all um, about him letting Lex go uh, several times, um, and then they they essentially say, you know, if you'll come clean, we won't involve your husband in this. We'll just give you to the law enforcement officials, um, and uh, you know it. <laughs> I know they're trying to work fast, but as far as they know, his husband really did do nothing to facilitate this. So It seems like a, a poor deal, especially considering how much risk they were obviously putting him in that they were ignoring. I mean, yes. it's true he was letting Lex out, which probably is a bad thing for the entire planet, and taking right. money. So Warden is far from blameless, but... Yes, but as he said, he was threatened by Lex. You know, I, I'm, as was I'm his pretty family. Right. Um, and Lena sneers. He threatens everybody, but it's not like he gives empty threats. No. Those were real threats against his family. And yes, he should have gone to somebody and tried to get help, but uh, he's not a monster. Not for doing that, anyway. I don't think he deserved to die. Right, right. He's not blameless. He's just not a monster, I say. <laughs> and at the end of the episode where Supergirl laments that some captives almost got killed and they made no <laughs> reference to this person dying, it just kind of hurt. Yeah, well, I guess at least he'll die with a good reputation now because they won't need to bring it up to, to char put him on charges or anything. 
Great. That might not be an option that he would have taken, though. <laughs> so they also have Lena solving various puzzles, which are all very unclear to us, but maybe we're just not at the same level as the Luthers. I did look up the Anastasia's mate, and they did represent that correctly on the board. So someone did a little bit of research, even though I don't know why where the king goes matters. But hey, it does show they're at least trying a little bit in their set dressing. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was perfectly fine, but not worth diving too deep into. He's sick and he's twisted, but at least he's consistent. <laughs> right. Other than the one line we get where Lena looks at the books and realizes... An inventory of all the faults and mistakes I've made since I was four. It does show that not only is Lex super creepy, but disturbingly invested in Lena. Yes. I mean, he's 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 gleeful at gaslighting her and making her think she's not as smart as she is and using uh, her her need for love, although he, he calls it attention-seeking, Using that against her to get her to do things for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we all know Lex is horrible, and Lena, some of why Lena is the way she is, is because that was uh, uh, ingrained into her. <laughs> you try and grow up with Lex Luthor and see how you come out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, I think I'd hold on to my secrets pretty hard, if possible. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Secret, you know, your your personal stuff only gets used against you. As we got an echo of with uh, Haley, who was mad at Alex for, um, you know, I told you one personal thing about myself, about, you know, Haley talking about her daughter to Alex. And Alex does, in fact, uh, use that uh, in an argument. Not, not exactly using it against her, but as a reference point, you know, what's your daughter? Haley saw what Alex yes. was doing a mile away. She knew what was going on. And it's like, what are you doing? If nothing, because Alex is just not capable of manipulating Haley. Right. She's, she's okay in interrogating suspects and stuff, but she's not really trained in manipulation. Um, or at least if she, I haven't seen that in her. So yeah, she's not really good at it, which is understandable. But she's in a hurry, and it's harder to be subtle when you're in a hurry. I don't know. Anyway, good for Haley for spotting that and calling it out. Um, I'm not sure if Alex really felt bad about it, or if she just felt bad that she was seen through and stopped on that. <laughs> well, it didn't <laughs> matter that. in the end, so. It didn't matter in the end, so. Why didn't she get fired is the more interesting question. <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of points in this season where really Haley, if Haley were consistent, she should have just fired Alex. Um, and she's been letting her get away with uh, insubordination and sometimes outright disobedience again and again. It's possible that the path that Haley currently has of control over the DEO does not actually give her the power to do that. So it's possible that she is sort of in charge, but she doesn't have HR responsibility or something like that. But it still seems a bit strange. She may also find it a little easier to run to control the subordinates, you know, the the no-name uh, agents, um, keeping... Alex there, you know, nominally as an interface between them. 
back in the jail, we do get to meet Steve, which actually is, I think, an interesting character for the show to give us. Yes, I I was pleased to see see him. Uh, that you know I've seen that actor before, and he's usually entertaining. And uh, I was interested by the whole subplot of you know how Supergirl at feet first treats him like, hey, you're in here, you must be scum, and uh, then you know hearing about how he actually is in prison because he gave out information about illegal drone warfare. I, I really enjoyed how differently he treated Supergirl versus when he, as he thought, came upon Kara, um, who he, he basically fanboyed. You're such a great journalist. Um, and, uh, so that was fun. And I th- thought it was really interesting seeing her shift in perspective. I think it was a motivator for maybe Kara to grow a little. While I think calling her a malignant narcissist (laughs) is probably unfair, calling her a hero narcissist is probably pretty reasonable. Her greatest personality flaws are sort of a function of her greater-than-thou heroing attitude to life. And everything being about her. Exactly. And he calls her on it very strongly, maybe too strongly, but maybe she listens a little bit. And he's the one who calls that you're coming here and you're going to cause a lot of damage by coming here. And she does. Yes. Maybe there's some learning in this failure. Right. Just from what he was saying, though, I don't think it was fair even from him to call her malignant. I believe the most she could be accused of is a negligent narcissist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that might be more fair. She is trying to do good. She just assumes it's about her. Right. (laughs) Uh, the reason that we see Kara in the prison at all is that, uh, Otis comes in, kills the warden, takes over the jail, lets the prisoners in Block D go free, and promises, uh, you know, life of freedom for anyone who apprehends her. And then we just realize how stupid the people in this jail must be. Well, the hacker guy is pretty smart. He does not go to (laughs) attack Supergirl. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Steve finds his his, uh, thug buddy, uh, you know, big tough guy, uh, and they are going through the library for some reason. And they encounter her after Supergirl and Otis have a nice big fight. You know, she's wearing her shield, he's got his kryptonite thingy, lots of, you know, punching each other and beams and stuff. And she is losing, and when she gets blasted into the library, she quick changes into Kara the reporter, and somehow snows uh, Otis into believing that she's just there to do a story on prison conditions asks him what he thinks, and he comes up with a really great line that I don't fit think fits him at all. Not at but all. <laughs> I enjoyed anyway. <laughs> About how, you know, he doesn't trust reporters, they just para- parachute into into situations like this without understanding the systemic problems. Which is hilarious. Um, it is funny. Maybe <laughs> it too was far. a great line. <laughs> It, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was really, it, if Steve had said that line, I would have bought it completely. Otis, I laughed, but then I kept thinking, I thought Otis is supposed to be stupid. And then I started thinking about all the 
character inconsistencies of Otis, um, uh, that and saving the kid and stuff. And so it, it was kind of distracting, even though it was a good and enjoyable line. And that was right after a shining reference as well from Otis. I think <laughs> yes. whatever comes out of Otis's mouth comes out of Otis's mouth. If nothing else, her successfully making him believe that she's Kara, not Supergirl, would have seemed strange in any show other than this show, where, of course, Kara looks nothing like Supergirl. Right. I think this is one of the few times we've seen a fast change to Kara, though, which leaves me the question of, where are Kara's clothes in the suit? Yes, that heavy-looking camel hair jacket she was wearing, that's not something you hide under your your superhero costume. Maybe she presses it together very thinly <laughs> in a Ziploc bag to get all the air out. And then when she takes it out, she, you know, uses her super hot breath to get the wrinkles out. <laughs> Best not to think about it too much. Oh, dear. <laughs> um... So so anyway, with him getting that anti-reporter bit out of his system, he leaves, and almost immediately, Steve the Hacker and his buddy show up and ask Kara, who is she and what's she doing here, uh, after, I guess the buddy holds a knife to her throat. Uh, I guess their original plan was to use this mystery woman as a hostage, um, but, but then... Uh, then Steve realizes this, that this is his idol reporter, and he tells her about his newsletter, and she says, Oh, how nice to meet a fellow reporter. <laughs> um, so that was interesting uh, and fun. Um, <laughs> and the on-the-nose question, you're the second person today to ask me about that, Psycho. Mm-hmm. The second person. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Steve will have suspicions in the future at some point. No. <laughs> okay. Only Lex is allowed to figure it out. All right. And, of course, Lex and Miss Tessmacher, for some reason, have never bothered to tell Otis about Supergirl's secret identity either. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And we have no idea why, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. So, um, so what else happens? The, uh... The National Guard or the Army, I think they call them both. Anyway, uh, American military forces come come up and storm the prison. And Supergirl and Lena, did, did, did they get any more? Oh, right. Um, meanwhile, while all this had been happening, Lena figured out that those mountains that Hannibal was crossing was not the Alps. They were from... Outside their childhood resort, childhood resort or home or something like that. Anyway, she finds a secret compartment from the cell. And do they actually get any more clues out of that cell? I guess at the end, the end of the show, uh, Lena looked like she had she was having some revelation, and Supergirl was looking at her. And we don't know whether Lena is going to pass on whatever that knowledge is or not. Yeah, there was a look those two gave each other when they find the secret room. And it is an amazing look. There is so much intensity and emotion and something in that look. And then obviously it cuts to commercial there. And nothing of that is represented when the episode starts again. And I found that just bizarre, just the intensity of their expressions. But it doesn't matter because everything in the room was destroyed, except luckily a backup of the hard drive. <laughs> yeah, I did. 
wonder, were we supposed to know what that look signified? Because, I have no idea. Yeah, whatever it was, I missed it. I think it was just they wanted some intensity before the break. I guess. Ooh, it's a secret room. Therefore, maybe they get more information. <laughs> it almost felt overplayed, but it was amazing. I could just feel the room vibrate with their expressions at each other. Mm, yeah. So the way the room was destroyed was that Otis, uh, while walking into Lex's former cell, was on his cell with Lex and said, what do you mean, uh, this is what you get? <laughs> <laughs> and then his kryptonite stuff exploded. Um, I'm assuming that Lex has found out that Otis did not kill the little boy that Red Daughter cares about. After all, I can't imagine what other betrayal Lex would... I mean, if he just killed... If he just if he just blew up Otis for convenience, that would be one thing, but this is what you get means to me that Lex was punishing Otis for something, and I think it would be for the little boy. I didn't get that impression. I think that would be bigger. I don't know if he put him back together after that. I think this was just for not stopping Lena and Supergirl from getting into his lab or something like that. Hmm. I think he didn't do a good enough job at doing what he was supposed to do in the prison. That was how I took it. Because I think they'll make a bigger deal of the boy later on. But we'll Okay. See. Hmm. Well, yeah, I guess we'll... They didn't give us the context, though, so that was a choice they made. <laughs> One thing I found bizarre, beyond the kind of boring fight, was they had all of the guards, as far as I can tell, in the entire jail were taken out in order to give Supergirl and Lena access. Because whenever they show the riot that was going on, it was just a bunch of inmates fighting each other. And I would think that if you are inmates in a jail that's about to be attacked by the army, you might not bother having petty fights with each other. It seemed a bit bizarre, <laughs> the one shot of the brawl happening. I did not understand what was going on. I don't think the writers particularly thought about that terribly much either. I, I had the feeling it was just like, prisoners are free, so and they can't attack Supergirl because she welded the thing, so they're just going to fight. I, I don't think... I think that was all there was to it. It gave <laughs> Supergirl a hero moment where she slapped them down and saved them. Mm. That's effectively all it did. And I don't know yeah. if that was really necessary. That bit did not bother me. <laughs> but the conclusion of all of this is Kara figures out that maybe she can do more good as Kara the reporter than Supergirl, which was a good lesson to learn and we'll see how long she learns it. Right. I mean, she's sort of learned that lesson before we would have thought that, you know, with the the, the stuff with um, trying to counter the agents of liberty, uh, learning that she was better doing that as a reporter than, you know, just trying to directly oppose them. Um, but she... Uh, I don't know if she forgot that or she just backed off of it because she was busy with other stuff. But um, she does seem to need constant reminders that you know, her reporter identity can actually be more useful in some situations than her superpowered uh, self. Hopefully James remembers that too. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> we can hope, yes. But I did like... Uh, so Steve the Hacker, you know, Supergirl's not trying to get him out or anything, although I guess that could maybe be a reward later. Um, 
Maybe. Uh, but... I think he just doesn't want to be killed by Lex. Him not being found out is probably the most important thing to him. Right. Right. Of course, Lex is probably watching Kara just as much as he's watching Supergirl. So I fear he, Steve is in danger. But uh, still, he gave her the hard drive with Lex's, some of Lex's secrets on it, probably. And he had the, he reminded her that the pen is mightier than the sword. And Kara said, maybe even mightier than a cape. And I thought that was some of the best closing lines for an episode we've had in a while. Going a little back to the DEO stuff, how did you like this new fully developed Haley? Because I think some of the best scenes in this episode were Haley's. And as we see that while she might be a bit of a military rules lawyer, she's not dumb and she is not thoughtless. Yeah, I really like that she's not turning on a dime. She's clearly very uncomfortable with the decisions that she's making. But uh, I, I do, I like how she is drawn to that. Um, that, you know, uh, what Alex said basically bounced off her. Um, but her daughter having her favorite teacher disappear and being scared of the martial law, which we haven't really seen much effect on, people. Um, maybe in the next few episodes, there'll be something about the curfew or, or something. But, uh, you know, you can really see in the actress's face that Haley is struggling with all this. And um, I, I think the writing is also good that, you know, she's not just, she's not being completely rigid and inflexible. She's had the moments of mercy for Alex with you know, calling her out on stuff, but not firing her. Um, so I really like what a complex character she has proven to be, as opposed to the stiff-necked Martinet we were originally presented with. Exactly. I was really happy with her in this episode. Right. Well, I hope we see Steve again sometime, and not just as a corpse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, overall, I was very pleased with this episode. Uh, I just had a couple of things I struggled with momentarily, but, you know, it, it was a good episode ever, overall, I it thought. It was a good episode. I think a lot of things moved around nicely. Mm -hmm. It really was about Lena feeling manipulated by Lex and Haley making hard choices and Brainy trying to find some amusing ways of trying to move forward and a lot of it i thought worked really well i was left with one question though which is why doesn't supergirl hire a pr agency or have a youtube <laughs> channel or maybe even just use twitter something why doesn't she try and this is really a question i have for almost all superhero like shows why not use the media as a voice directly mm -hmm. absolutely especially since she herself is a reporter with a blog. Now, it would be pretty disingenuous of her to be a reporter writing about Supergirl's innocence. <laughs> um, that would not be journalistically objective. But, <laughs> but funny. <laughs> but funny. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, Supergirl could make a FaceTime video of herself or something or... or you know, send send an MP3 to Catco or something instead of just being completely radio silent as far as I can tell. Exactly. At least some attempt to try and communicate, this is not me, Lex Luthor escaped people, what do you think is going on? Just an attempt. 
I almost want to see one of these shows just have an entire episode which goes down to a media blitz of YouTube videos being distributed around and tweets <laughs> flying around as the attempt to use that media and the failings that would occur because of it, just to see the attempt being made. Right. It's bizarre that she keeps forgetting about the media, even after it's it's come in very useful for her in quite a few occasions, but... Uh, I, I guess we can write some of that down to show reasons as opposed to Watsonian reasons. And time will tell. Maybe they will play a little bit with that going forward. There's mm -hmm. not that many more episodes left. Right. Well, presumably we're going to see some articles coming out from Kara soon since she's going back into reporter mode. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. Uh, any closing thoughts? I think that's it for me. This was a fun episode. I hope for more. Right. Uh, I was also pleased with it. And yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I think it uh, looks like it's headed in a, in a good and interesting direction. Okay. Well, I would like to thank uh, you, David, of course, for an always interesting discussion. Happy to be here. <laughs> And I would like to thank our listeners. Uh, if you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can tweet us at SG Supercast, or you can talk to us on the TV channel of the Incomparable Members Slack. We look forward to hearing from you, and I guess we'll be talking again next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.